Welcome to One and Done TV. I am the first one of your co-hosts to speak, Ian Hamilton. And I am his adopted adult son, John Polking. And this is the podcast where we review television shows that were canceled after or during one season. (laughs) And in today's episode, During is the Case, we're talking, of course about 2022 A&E channels, adults adopting adults. And what are we going to do with this, John? We are going to research it. We are going to regurgitate that research. We're going to give our own thoughts about it. We're going to do the worm on these five families that we are going to talk about. And we are going to understand what this show did specifically to us what it left behind and what made it one and done, baby. Jeez. Uh, but before we do, before we talk about this show that I chose specifically because <laughs> overall it felt icky and I heard there was some controversy around it. But before we get to that, um, John, we wanted to, usually we use this block to talk about what we're watching, but there are some very interesting developments in the streaming universe right now yeah in regards to warner brothers yeah so we've talked on previous episodes about uh warner brothers and discovery recently merging in 2022 they recently just kind of took some of the hbo max original movies off of the platform without any sort of fanfare which is kind of weird because normally when you take something off of a platform it's because a licensing agreement ran out or they didn't have the rights to it for whatever reason anymore. But these are things that were developed specifically for HBO Max, which kind of makes it a little bit more unique. And they kind of said it was lower performing titles. Later on, they axed two movies that were not fully completed, but still very much in development. There was a Scooby-Doo movie and then... Batgirl, which was a $90 million superhero movie that had finished principal production. Also, it was bringing back Michael Keaton as Batman. I know. And it had like J.K. Simmons, and it was it was not a small undertaking. And- Brendan Fraser. Fraser. We were going to get to enjoy Fra- Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. We were. We were going to enjoy it, and it was done filming. They were in post, and they were just like, no dice. And it's been weird to see... HBO Max sort of adjusting to all of the stuff that happened. I've been following it a little bit just because I need to for my job as a tech media and telecom analyst. But I do see that their new CEO of this combined venture is a discovery person. And a lot of the sort of senior leadership team is coming from discovery. So it does seem like they got like six board seats Mm -hmm. or something. Discovery is going to be 
half of this merger. And I just saw that they're laying off 70% of the development teams. And yet they're still like growing their services and streaming numbers and subscribers across the business. It seems like a weird thing to do, but they've said that they're going to be cutting back $3 billion. They're trying to save like $3 billion in cost savings, which means that there's going to be a lot of shows and movies that are going to be axed over the next couple months, it seems like. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. I mean, my biggest worry is that, you know, me and you have said many times on this podcast that HBO Max is our favorite streaming platform. Yeah. And I'm super worried that, I mean, I watch some trash on Discovery Plus. Usually it's a show called I Almost Got Away With It, uh, where... (laughs) People should be in prison, but instead they're on the run and they're real life stories Yeah, and it's really trash TV and they frankly should not be giving these people any airtime. But anyway, I'm really afraid that the brand of HBO is going to be engulfed by this reality, unscripted trash BS. Everything that I've heard from the sort of senior leadership over at this newly formed venture is all about we're looking to save costs. We're looking to save costs. We're looking to save costs, which means that we're going to see much greater investments in unscripted TV, churning out content, more sort of ambitious scripted stuff is going to probably fall by the wayside unless there is some sort of fan fervor around it. They're really looking at things like line by line. Like, I never thought I'd see the movie An American Pickle just, like, taken off. I mean, it's not the best movie ever, but... Whoa, that was taken off, the Seth Rogen one? That was one of the like movies that just kind of disappeared. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and this whole, the branding is so confusing to me now yeah. because there was HBO, which then had HBO Go and HBO Now, and then it became HBO Max as this super streamer, which they took over Friends, they took over Cartoon Network, they took uh, properties from uh, the Turner, I think. Yeah. TBS and TNT. Um, They bought up some other stuff. But then it's like, okay, I'm watching Hacks now. And Hacks is a Max original. It's not an HBO Max. It's not an HBO. It's a Max original. And now there's just going to be all these new reality shows coming as well. Like, they're cutting all these movies after this partnership with Warner Bros. Like, what is going on? I don't I don't know who's making anything anymore now. Yeah, it seems like we're going to see a lot of flux happening in that space, especially as they prepare to merge into one streaming service next year. That seems to be the sort of ultimate plan. And so in a perfect world, I feel like they'd retain both brands. You get the prestige, you get the trash together in one beautiful, happy utopia of garbage and gold. I'm worried that that gold side is going to kind of lose its luster with all the stuff that's happening. completely agree. So, I mean, remember Netflix? It was part of the golden age of cable into streaming television until they discovered that you can get a lot more people watching your shows if you just... You know, there's a reason that the History Channel turned into the Pawn Stars Network (laughs) and why True TV only airs... Impractical Jokers. Exactly. It's because 
shows like this dominate airtime now. And, you know, to its credit, me and you love some of our trash television. I wouldn't be surprised if my own streaming numbers were filled with shows like this because it's something to just have on. It's not necessarily something I am sitting down and watching, Mm -hmm. but the numbers that my of hours that my TV is running programming like this. I mean, this is just me and I don't even watch that much. Yeah. I have to think that combine that with America and the rest of the world discovery pluses type of shows are about to dominate the rest of this decade. Mm-hmm. I and that's, have no doubt. That's my worry. I mean, we've talked about on the Why the Last Man episode when we reviewed that, that I really don't know how many good TV shows are going to have, you know, f- Stranger Things having five seasons is like a miracle Yeah. now. And I could see Succession going strong. I could see Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings having, you know, five seasons. But other than some big properties like that, I'm super worried about where narrative television's going. We're going to see some swings coming out that are only going to be lasting like one season, I think. Because they're going to look at those numbers and they are going to make very calculated decisions about what this means for the brand overall, or at least the new one. And we'll probably get some more fodder for this thing, but yikes, it stinks that it seems like there's a lot that could be going off the table soon, but we'll keep an eye on it. We'll, we'll let you know our thoughts and I don't know. Do you have anything more you want to say? Uh, just that it's showtime, John. Five, four, three, two, one, showtime! Family is not always the people related to you by blood. Family can also be the people you choose to spend your time with. In 38 states, it's legal for anyone over the age of 18 to adopt anyone of any age, even someone older than them. In January 2022... A&E wanted to explore unconventional families with their show, Adults Adopting Adults. We get to see five out of six groups of people attempt to become a family in three out of ten episodes because AAA was canceled and stripped from the internet after only three episodes. How did you hear about this show? There's a lot of controversy around it, is all I knew going into it. And... Something about the poster and the name just made it sound like a dumpster fire to me. (laughs) And I think I said this up top. It sounded pretty icky. Oh, yeah. And I just, you know, it's like watching a a car accident or something. There's, There's a fascination where I've been drawn to it like a moth to the flame. I know it will destroy me, and yet I needed it. I needed to review it for this podcast. And I wanted to piggyback off the discussion we had at the top of the show as well a little bit. Because I was looking at television ratings for January 2022, and especially Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with the Nielsen ratings these days, 
other than sports shows, most nights are dominated by unscripted TV. Mm-hmm. Friday's dominated by Shark Tank. Sunday's dominated by 90 Day Fiance. Uh, I saw also just shows like Gold Rush on Discovery Channel, Undercover Boss, Below Deck. Hell yeah. Um, there were a couple other ones with funny names. Where you're Below Deck at- is not a funny name. Below Deck is a serious exploration of what it means to be in the yachting industry, taking a look at the lives, loves, tribulations, and trials of a wonderful group of international, physical, and emotional gods and goddesses. How dare you? I do not mean to slur Below Deck. I just mean there. there's shows like... Um, there's one like like romance after prison. Oh, love after lockup. Okay. That's it. I don't know the show, but I can guess that it's about some people falling in love after they come back from prison. Is that correct? That is correct, John. Thanks. And mm. going into the discovery plus of it all, these shows are dominating the Nielsen ratings. These are what is keeping cable television afloat. And network television. I mean, we're not even seeing powerhouses like American Idol, you know, winning the nights anymore. We're just seeing trash, comfort, McDonald's TV. That's a great way to describe it. That people are tuning into. Yeah, it's just something that you can like sit in your lazy boy and just wait to die while it's (laughs) playing. And this is how we're all living our lives. And I'm not even judging everybody that does this to themselves because I'm one of them. Yeah. But it is a little bit frightening to me. So with this trend, I am not at all surprised that a show like Adults Adopting Adults would happen because it follows the same formula of a reality show as like a 90 Day Fiancé as a love after lockup, something like that. It's families, people looking for love, whatever. They're trying to connect with somebody, but somebody they're close to thinks it's a weird idea. So they stage a sit down conversation where everyone can sit down and be like, I don't get it. What are you doing? And the other person's like, well, I know it sounds weird to you, but this is where my heart is. And I have to do this for myself. And the other person either accepts them or doesn't or like hounds them about it for 10 episodes, you know? Yeah. And this is a big piece of what TV is now. I mean, I've worked in reality shows, me and Natalie have, and a lot of it is just garbage. It it never fed me to work on these shows. It killed any joy I had for wanting to work in production. You know, I worked on Love Connection and we just shot everything on an iPhone. And I had to like hide in a bathroom to interview people. You know, the bathroom of like uh, Michelin star restaurants. Did, did you have to, you wanted to hide a little bit. You liked the, the thrill of the hunt. No, it was weird. You had to pretend like you weren't filming anything. You had to like, you couldn't tip. Okay, I worked on a children's magic show where we get lunch for 25 people and I wasn't allowed to tip. So I would dominate these restaurants' busy lunch rush and then I wouldn't, I couldn't even give them 
five percent. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know that you're the problem. It's not I am. the industry. Yeah. No, it is a icky sort of development of where TV is going. And it does feel very much like you can, I think the big thing about it and the big reason that these shows are much more popular on cable than, and they probably are pretty popular on streaming is this idea of you can sort of dip in and out of it. You know what a show like adults adopting adults is going to be because it's quite literally all spelled out in those three wild words that are strung together. (laughs) You don't need this background. You don't need, and you sort of dive in and out of these people's lives at such a quick clip that sometimes there's entire episodes where storylines aren't picked up or put down. It just kind of keeps on happening and we lap it up like the pigs that are trapped in the sty that is our gross little society. And we are, we're there. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, it's funny. I didn't uh, come into this episode wanting to be pessimistic, but uh, here we are and (laughs) here I am. Uh, So let's just dive into the show. As far as creators are concerned, I just picked out one producer that seemed very involved, an executive producer named Danny Passman, who has made shows like House Hunters Ho Ho Home Edition, (laughs) something called Design Twins, um, Insane Pools of the Deep, which I couldn't even tell if there were pools in rich people's houses or what. Frankly, the, the posters... The poster doesn't tell you anything. I'd go for diving, but I, I'm i not entirely sure. And there was something called Thieves, Inc. So this is just the kind of trash television that multiplies on itself. And it's like there could be 60 episodes of this stuff and you've never heard of it. Like the magic yeah. show I produced was made for – it was made by – uh, ITV America, which is a major company, but it was released on the BYU network. And there's at least 40 episodes. And guess what? No one's ever heard of it. You yeah. know, and there's so much more of this kind of stuff than you could really imagine or conceive. It's a wild world that we live in. And we only see, just as we only see, you know, only 10% of the ocean's creatures have been discovered only 10% of the (laughs) gutter of mankind has only been unearthed. I'll quote William Holdem in network, this gutter depravity. Ooh, that's fun. That's fun. So, okay, let's dive into the show. So (laughs) we get to meet the show was canceled after three episodes and we'll get to that later. So we only get to meet five of the families. So the first one I want to highlight, uh, they live in Las Vegas. It's a grown woman, Kim, who has two children and a husband, Joe, and she wants to be adopted by an older couple named Joe and Vicky because she is estranged from her mother for eight years and wants her children to have grandparents. Now, This is also her husband, Joe, has parents. Yeah. So 
the children have grandparents, but what she keeps saying about them is that they haven't stepped up, whatever mm-hmm. that means. So the main story with this family that we get to see is that Kim's estranged mother is back in the picture because Kim was misinformed by her aunt and uncle that her mother was dying. Well, there was also that sort of bubbled up a lot of emotions, too, about what Valerie, Kim's mom, sort of came into this life with Valerie had, or according to Kim, Valerie had constantly said things like, oh, because Kim herself was adopted as a child by That's right. her, her mother. And so her, I'll, I'll, I'll call her first mom. Um, her first mom said things while she was growing up like, you're so lucky that I adopted you. And would always, according to Kim, take credit for her. And that sort of led to this huge blow-up fight, I guess, that they had eight years prior where Kim was like, I never want to see you again. And Kim's – and mom number one here was saying, oh, I just was – didn't talk to you for eight years because I wanted to keep my distance because that's what you wanted. Valerie, mom number one – is very emotionally manipulative of... Oh, extremely. Actually, growing up, she went as far as to say, if I didn't adopt you, nobody wanted you. Oh, yeah, that was it, too. And Valerie kept denying that, but Kim's like, no, you said it. Like, stop saying you didn't say it because you used to say that all the time. She says, too, like, how can I apologize if I don't remember it? It's like, come on. Come on, Val. Come on. Come on, number one. Think about it a little bit. And then she also has the gall when she finds out that Kim is being adopted by Joe and Vicky, mom number two. She, like, throws a tantrum and is, like, crying in the kid's bedroom and is like, I hate them for wanting to take my daughter away. What happens is Kim's mom number one comes back into the picture and then it's one of her daughter's birthdays. So they all, as a family and as the potential adopted parents come, they meet each other, they kind of get along and are kind of respectful to one another, at least enough, so that afterwards, Kim tells Valerie that she's like, so those two people, they're not just like parental figures to me, I'm literally trying to get adopted by them. And Valerie is wrecked by this. And really, I I guess to, not that she doesn't deserve it, she really does have an emotional breakdown of this news. Yeah. She's like, I don't want you to have your feelings hurt, but I was already in the process of them adopting me. And Kim is like stone cold. Mm -hmm. She's got no emotions. And her mom's like, how am I supposed to be okay with this? Like, you're you've wrecked me. Like, you've ruined me. She uses very strong punctuated language to describe (laughs) how Kimberly is destroying her emotionally. Yeah. And the line that I love that Valerie draws in the sand is, oh, Joe and Vicky, they can have my grandkids. I don't need to be their grandparents. I just need you. And you're like, yikes. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, you just want to control Kim. Yeah. That was where I kind of drew the line. I was like, oh, this is tough 
this is a sticky situation and it was a very well lit conversation that they had. I love the scene too. She's like, what Valerie after she finds out and she is wrecked and ruined about this news. She walks up the stairs and you see the big old light that's at the top of the stairs. So it's not just everything. It's not like a quick setup thing. They had to get ladders involved to get this lighting right. Well, it was clearly like they set up the scene and then they're like, okay, we're going to have a real conversation here. Valerie, Kimberly's going to tell you something important. You know, so they 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 do all that first. And then, uh, you know, so how about her husband, Joe, though, who his body language was so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. The he, Literally... There was not a moment where his arms were not crossed. He kind of like sidestepped into scenes too. Like he'd be like, I felt like I needed to step in in like a talking head. And then he would just kind of shuffle into frame and be like, Valerie, you don't understand how difficult this has been for Kim. Oh, and that was the only time he was ever really involved with this. Like every time he has to talk about this, he's like, uh, I think it's weird that you want to be adopted, but I guess I'm not you. So whatever. Uh, okay. And I mean, he seems to get along with Joe and Vicky, the potential adopted parents. Joe and Vicky seem perfectly lovely. They, oh yeah. They, it seems like, frankly, they're a pretty good family unit. Absolutely. So it's interesting, too, because Kim and her husband are relatively well-off living in the Vegas area. Joe and Vicky, they are a truck driver and wife, and they are it's not like they're trying to get money or anything like that. There doesn't seem to be anything exploitative, at least about that particular relationship. Yeah, Vicky's like sister or something is like, well, how do we know that they're not trying to take advantage of you? And she's going, no, they're richer than us. Like, she's going to pay for my dentures. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay. There's no exploiting here. Like, Kim genuinely wants some parental figures and grandparents in her life because she doesn't have them. Like... Although I don't know how they met. Do you know if they, did they meet online or did they meet in person? Do you know? I think it was in person, but I might not, I might've misremembered that. Cause, Cause that's the thing about these couples is some of them are meet online and these adults want to be adopted or want to adopt adults online, like Facebook groups or whatever. And some of them meet in person. And well, for this show in particular, though, at least the families that we've met, most of them are in person. It's just really the one, which will be mm. our last couple, our last family unit that yeah, is we'll the, the primary. Yeah, we'll get to them. Okay. And this conversation is very indicative of how I felt about the show, which is I was mesmerized by pretty much every specific detail that I was watching and trying to figure out why people were doing this, why people were reacting this way. And at the same time, I was truly upset at myself, at the show, mostly at you, at the world (laughs) for having this kind of attachment to it. So I'm going to keep getting attached to each of these stories. I'm not happy about it. I do want to make that clear, and I want that on record, that I'm not happy that I have specific thoughts about each of these five situations. 
And we'll talk about how unhappy you are more after this commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Ian, and I'm trying to do this commercial as quickly as possible. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Hive Social at One and Done TV. Email us oneanddonepod at gmail.com with any suggestions or thoughts. If you haven't hit the skip forward 15 seconds button yet, I will be amazed. Okay, enjoy the show. Our second adults adopting adults group trio comes from Brooke, New York. We follow Derek and Carol, and they are adopting 23-year-old Bianca. They are an older, well-off couple that is adopting Bianca, who was in a class that Carol had taught. Bianca bounced around the foster system for years and does not speak with her father, who is actually alive. Carol and Derek both have been married several times previously with no biological children, and Bianca, therefore, is sort of this daughter that they are trying to bring into their family unit. One of the crazy parts about this particular story is the amount of potential for infidelity between the father of the daughter and the adopted daughter herself, or at least that's sort of the underlying fear. I don't think there was any actual danger of that. Derek seems like a pretty chill dude, but Carol's previous marriage had been broken up by her bringing somebody into their home. And as she says, her first husband was messing around with that girl. And so there is this weird tension of being a part of this, trying this kind of thing again. Bianca grew up in the foster system. She was a student in Carol's class. They got along. She probably had a sort of maternal instinct to her. Maybe she needed a place to stay. And then they all get along well enough where, you know, they're well off. They've got an extra room. They seem to love Bianca. Um, This one out of all of them, it doesn't feel that weird to me. No, there is much more a sort of sense of security and kinship. And probably of all of them, kind of the most genuine love between the parents and the adopted adult. I think kinship is a great word for it because they both they're in a loving relationship they both have these paternal and maternal instincts they have no one to give it to and I don't know I get it it's like it sounds like both of them wanted kids and just never did although um I guess I should say that Carol has a stepdaughter that no longer talks to them because she thinks it's weird the whole Bianca situation Yeah, there's this stepdaughter, Brittany, who was her first husband's daughter. And Brittany doesn't trust the whole situation. And Brittany also seems to have been, like, really scarred by the previous infidelity that had happened. Like, she had, she, Carol says, my husband, my first husband, was not discreet with his affair. So that sort of implies that Brittany had walked in on her 
husband with this other woman. And oh, I didn't get that. There is also this added layer of inheritance that isn't really present in the other storylines where because of New York state law, if Bianca were to be adopted, if that process were to go through, Bianca would be the heir to Derek and Carol's estate. And Brittany, Mm -hmm. who was the heir, would be cut off from that. And also Bianca, this is the weirdest part for me, they would redo the birth certificate. That was crazy. They would literally change the birth certificate to make their names the mother and father. And Bianca's mom had passed away years before, and her dad is still alive, is not really in her life seemingly, but still says like, oh, that's my daughter, that's my daughter, still claims her as his daughter. So So legally, he has a right in New York State, because every state has different laws for this adult adoption thing. Legally, he has the right to know and he has the legal right to even bring his case for this not to happen, but he does not legally need to give consent. Right. Yeah. So, which is very strange. Very strange. Very off. And again, that birth certificate wrinkle is one like the idea of. Taking somebody under your wing is one thing. The idea of erasing somebody's history in the process adds a whole other sort of creepy cuckoo factor on top of it. And yikes. I think, I feel like we're talking about this show so that there can be some record of it because people need to know that it exists. Oh, there's, that we there's went a, quite this. a Reddit. There's quite a Reddit community that will let you know that this show existed because when it was on, the online chatter was on fire, <laughs> and that cannot be erased from history. <laughs> I promise you. But I, I did listen to a couple podcasts about it. I, I'm glad that we can give a sort of uh, all-encompassing take on it. <laughs> Because uh, uh, a lot of uh, there actually is a okay, so there's a podcast called Adults Judging Adults Adopting Adults, <laughs> and they watched the first three episodes, and then the fourth episode was them being like, "Hey, ugh, I'll talk about it later." Okay. Uh, so wait, back to back to Carol and Bianca. The only last thing I wanted to bring up was with the stepdaughter, how she was going to be cut out of the will or the estate or whatever. Why didn't they just they could just amend the will then? You okay, would think. like you would think, right? So why cut them off based on this? I don't know. Very strange situation. There's no logic or reason to anything, right? I'm sure it was that she's like, wait a minute, the last girl you came in broke up your marriage with my dad. What are you doing this again for? Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably some strong emotional link there. Yeah. So these two families were both introduced in the pilot episode. Uh, our next family, do you want to get into uh, our friends out in Ojai? Felicia and Tawny are half-sisters who want to be adopted by Jenny and Michael. Jenny was high school friends with their mom and fostered Tawny from ages 10 to 18, 
while Felicia was mostly raised by her now estranged father. The biggest wrinkle in this story is that it will now be their third attempt to get adopted by Jenny and Michael because the first court date they had, which I don't know, maybe this was six years ago or something, Jenny didn't show up for it because she said she couldn't get covered for work. Mm-hmm. And then the second time they were going to do it, there was a major fire <laughs> in Ojai. <laughs> so, like, I guess the court date was canceled because, like, the town had to be evacuated. It was something like thousands or tens of thousands of acres were, like, burned in this fire. It was the 2017 Thomas Fire. I, I, I never heard of it, but I did want to make a note of right. it. I mean, to us as Midwesterners... Uh, it's like, oh, that's just one of those fires out West. You know, I'm sure it was devastating, but the weird thing about it is even though they give her a pass for this fire situation, there is this specter hanging over their relationship. Jenny raised them pretty much. She is for all intents and purposes. At least Tawny. Right. And she's the guardian and the, and the mother figure, pretty much their mom. So why is she so hesitant to make this a legal situation when they are so clearly a family unit? Yeah, this is the story that I think because they are on screen only for the second episode, we really only get their background. We don't really get to see much of them as a group because, well, their background is extensive and their story is tragic, but we don't really get to see them much in present time, which I think is kind of interesting. Well, I think that they show up a skosh in episode three because, uh, you know, trigger warning for self-harm situations. But Felicia and Tawny's mom uh, died by suicide and... Felicia, I think it was in episode three, talked about how her mom used to call her all the time being like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then one day actually did. And Felicia was like, "Ugh, just I'm busy. Call Tawny. You know, I can't do this again. And so Felicia really blames herself for their mother's death. Um, And she I I believe she. hmm? I think it's flipped. Wait, is it flipped? I the Felicia and no, Tawny. I'm, okay, sorry. I'm pretty sure Felicia's the redhead, right? No, I think Felicia's the other one. Well, <laughs> bye, Felicia. Um, <laughs> Felicia's the black-haired one. Okay, well then, Tawny, just flip it. <laughs> Listeners can flip it; they're fine. Do Every- I have to do this again? <laughs> you don't. know. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it was a tricky situation, and. Their biological mom was clearly like a hard partier, and Felicia is seven years older than Tawny. So Felicia was able to be adopted by Jenny and Michael, but Tawny was then kind of thrown back into the system with her sort of deadbeat dad, and it really seemed to create this long-term schism and like this created this feeling of them wanting to feel claimed, which I thought was an interesting way to sort of articulate that. They both were like, we just want to feel claimed by somebody because we've had so much instability from 
the foster care system, our mom being in the situation, our us having two different dads. There's a lot of instability that has sort of come with their lives. And so they just wanted to have, they wanted somebody to have some sense of ownership of them, which I thought was kind of interesting. Felicia, I can't remember why she was put into the foster system other than her, um, whatever was going on with her mom. But I know that Jenny and Michael didn't adopt her. Sorry, they fostered her. Right. They fostered her. Apologies. But it was like they went out to, you know, become accredited, what it, whatever you call it. Claimed. To become foster, well, to oh. become foster parents. Oh, like okay. Legally. Sorry. So they could foster people so that they specifically could foster her. And they did for eight to nine years, even though, but they did not legally adopt her. Yeah. That is the difference. It is. It's a messy situation. It is, but it feels like it shouldn't be, which is what makes it extra messy. Yeah. Um, John, why don't you take us to our most eccentric figure in Beverly Hills? Oh, yes. Good old Prince Frederick. He is the nearly 80-year-old widower of Zsa Zsa Gabor. They were married for 33 years, I believe. He himself was adopted by the last emperor of Germany's daughter-in-law at the age of 36. And he's now looking for an adult son to adopt who can therefore inherit the wealth of the Gabor Trust because the Gabor Trust can only be entrusted to a family member. The wild part about this is He's already tried this five other times. (laughs) Prince Frederick is now on his sixth attempt at adopting a son to give this will and trust to. And the only thing he said about the five sons really was, I mean, we saw a picture of like three of them all in their princely uniforms. Um, So the only thing he really said was, after the adoption, they became rude, and he didn't want them in their, in his life anymore. Yeah, he doesn't speak to any of his five sons that he adopted, and the he really w- feels this sort of pressure to get this going because if he doesn't have an heir to pass it down to, the trust dissolves, and it, he says, I don't want to give that money to the city of Los Angeles or, like, Los Angeles County. And so he's, it's this like almost comedy level sort of franticness that I think he feels about finding a strapping young man that will be cool, basically. Well, he he specifically wants someone that would fit into his old uniform, too. Yeah. And if he doesn't fit, then he's got to get tailored to make it fit. Right or like he doesn't want to tailor it too much. Like he no, he doesn't want to mess it up too much. No, wants to adopt a strapping young man that is basically his same height and figure that he was when he was in his thirties. That will take on all this money. Although since the show is canceled, Prince Frederick said that uh, he doesn't feel like he needs to adopt anyone anymore. So, um, what I got from uh from an interview with Danny Passman, the executive producer was basically they went to Prince Frederick first because they called him the OG adult 
adopted situation because he mm-hmm. was adult adopted when he was 36, which I couldn't actually find out why, though. No. He's kind of interesting, though, because he was part of the Zsa Zsa Gabor. Like some, there's some old Hollywood stuff in there, you know, some 80s, 90s uh, L.A. partying. Yeah, they had footage of on. him walking red carpets and clearly was was a part of the sort of L.A. nightlife from celebrities and stuff. And now he's just this kooky dude with a wild accent that's just hunting for young men to have a platonic father-son relationship with, as and we all are. The fun part about his storyline is like, the only other person there is his friend that's about the same age as him, maybe a little younger. And the guy's just like, oh, yeah, Prince Frederick, he's great, but he's crazy. He's like, I don't know why he's doing this. And he's like, I'll help you find someone, but I don't. this is weird. Oh, he's man. like, you already have five sons. <laughs> he doesn't like any he, of them. No, but I liked his friend, though. I kind of I liked their dynamic. I could have uh, I could have watched that for a little bit. Isaac was a good dude. I dug him. Isaac. All right, Ian, I know we've been putting this off, but I think it's time to to go to Ohio. So this takes us to the event of the season, which is our couple, if you can call them that, in Chillicothe, Ohio. So I'll give you the rundown before I give you the, the real rundown starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Danny wants to adopt a pregnant 20-year-old from Austria, Ileana. There's only one problem. His wife, Christy, is clearly physically uncomfortable with the idea. And there's another problem. Dan has attempted an adult adoption in the past, but had to put an end to it because his relationship with the 18-year-old became, quote, inappropriate. Oh, there's another problem. Everything he says is creepy. (laughs) And everyone watching the show thinks he's a creep because he is a creep. And uh, side note, Dan describes himself as a serial adulterer. So Dan and Christy live on a property in Ohio that he owns that is uh, surrounded by, has security cameras everywhere. And it's just one of those places that's like in the country with a bunch of stuff on the property. Um, He's got some like storage containers and sheds and whatever sitting around. And he wants to know everything that's going on there. Yeah. I got to say, if you could see my notes... I took about twice as many notes on this one storyline than I did for the other four families combined. Uh, first of all, ditto. Second of all, they gave this couple about twice as much airtime as everyone else combined. Absolutely. Because there They're was a the lot main to, event. there was a lot to unpack here. Um, we don't even have to get into the details of Danny's survival training business, which is why he has some of those big crates and stacks at his property. Cause that's where he had his survival training business, which he said doesn't exist anymore, but he was also wearing the shirt for it a lot. It seemed like he was oh. still promoting it. Yeah. Like, Oh, maybe I can get this back. 
yeah. if I promote it enough. <laughs> if I get it on A&E. And so he meets Ileana on social media. It's like after her dad died, she posted to one of these adults adopting adults groups. And Danny and her started these conversations. And they seem to have some sort of, you know, kinship. And but the worst part about Danny as a human, as a character on a show, is that he keeps saying she's like a daughter to me and I love her. But he also never fully closes the door on his romantic attraction to her. To everyone. Well, right. He To every woman ever. To her. I mean, there's one point he's like, I just think you're so cute and I just want to hug ya. I you like know. I like hugging on you and you're awful sweet. He's like a Zach Galifianakis character if we did not trust Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, I mean, there's a quote. Uh, Chrissy says, our marriage is not strong enough to share our house with someone else. So she bought a camper for Ileana to stay in while she's, while she's there. Yeah. Christy seems broken in so many ways by this relationship. He has cheated on her many times in the past. She left him for a period is revealed. Like she left him for six months sometime Mm -hmm. in the past. And he came back and was like, made all these promises that apparently he didn't keep any of them. And it did not take long for him to go back to his old ways. Mm -hmm. And she's like humiliated because Anytime any of her friends are like, what's up with Danny? What's up with this adopting situation? Isn't he an adulterer? Like, why are you still with him? She has zero answers for any of that. Yeah, she even says she felt better about herself after she had left him. And she does this thing. A lot of her sort of, it seemed like at least, she had a lot more confessionals where she was basically holding a phone and filming herself. And it really felt like that was because she didn't feel safe in her own home to express her own feelings. And that was very upsetting to watch. Oh, it's very upsetting. Uh, One of the things that I wrote down was there was a confessional, I guess you could call it where Danny's like at an airport and he is describing how, his life is exactly what he wants, how he's so happy, how uh, he's really looking forward to being a not just a dad, but also a grandfather, and how pretty much everything is perfect. And then they hard cut to Christy in the car, crying, shaking, like, I don't know what to do. I'm so uncomfortable. I can't believe he's doing this to me. I can't believe she's around. Uh, I mean, she's shaking. She's yeah. I mean, even when Ileana comes off the plane, Christy is shaking because I think maybe she held out hope that there might be a catfish situation going on. And then when she sees she's real, it's like physically uncomfortable for her. Absolutely. And I do want to say that Ileana herself comes off at least to me, pretty well throughout this show. She would have been on the streets had it not been for this interaction. She is clearly looking for some sort of home 
outside of Austria. The father of the baby ghosted her on social media after he found out about it. And her dad had just died recently as well. Like, this is a tough situation for this woman to be carted across the ocean and then shoved onto this lunatic's farm where he says at one point to her, you don't want to end up in the shed. How can you hear that sentence and be thousands of miles away from where you grew up and just not want to run for the hills? And it seems like she does a lot too. Oh yeah. And in, in some of the uh, next time ons that we get for what would have been later in the season, it seems like eventually she does run for the hills. Yeah. And Christy feels bad for her too. It seems like at times she's like, I don't trust this person at our house, but the problem isn't Ileana. The problem is Danny. Right. And she has, she, Christy seems to have legit empathy for the fact that like she's a 20 year old pregnant woman that's in hard times and all of a sudden in a new country and in our care. And she has genuine concern for the fact that it's Danny. And then from a self-preservation perspective, I think has genuine concern for their marriage that this is going to be the straw that breaks it. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that too, Ileana has like a high risk pregnancy because she's what, seven, eight months pregnant by the time she gets to the U.S.? Because we can't have a TV show that doesn't have one of those. Of course not. No, there has to be some issues with any sort of care for children in every single show that we watch. That is a a requirement, of course. And they, it's expensive too. It seems like Ed Christie is the only one that cares for Ileana because Danny has to travel all the time working. That's right. He's, is he a truck driver? He's a truck driver. He never is home. It seems like. Right. So basically he's trying to have his cake it too. And, and Christy's the one that has to take care of her. This high risk pregnant woman and this baby that's on the way. God. Oh, you're so right. It's so scary and disturbing. And why did you make me laugh that hard? Because it's awful and it's true. And we'll be back with the Dunzos after this commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. It's time for the Dunzo Awards. These are the awards that we give out to every single show that we watch. It could be the best. It could be the worst. It could be the most. It could be the weirdest, whatever it is. We have adopted the award show mentality, and we are giving it to the adults that are participating in this. Yes, we are adults giving adults awards. Each of us gets two Dunzo Awards. Ian... Please tell me, what is your first Dunzo Award? Uh, Fittingly, from our last conversation, my first award goes to the creepiest line that Danny says. There's a million of them. I want to know which one you whittled it down to. Well, uh, so Ileana hasn't even arrived in the United States yet. They're going to go to the airport to pick her up. 
and Christy, they're going to have like a welcome home sign for her. Christy goes, what do you want the welcome home sign to say? And Danny says, welcome home. Where's my blowy? Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't know how. The second you you said sign, it just like took me back. You know what's weird is it struck me as like something stupid a man would say at the time. Like, just like a bad joke. And then as everything went on and as I researched the show, that is a way, way worse line uh, than it is even on face value. He thinks it's absolutely hilarious. He thinks it's the funniest thing that anyone has ever said. He laughs his weird little tie-dyed belly off. Right. He thinks that if he can just kind of like say all of his dark thoughts out loud and laugh about them that like everyone can just be okay with it or something. Yeah. It's a lot of assuming it's, it's delusion. It is pure delusion of his effect on other people. He doesn't understand what he, he's it's, he is completely detached from reality. It seems like all the time. I think it's more of a control thing. It's, like, yeah, that's fair. What he says goes, and what he wants, he gets. And he often talks about how he's doing this adult adoption thing, and Christy doesn't really have a say in it. Like, yeah. it's his house, it's his job, anything he wants, he gets, and it's all about him. And you just got to be okay with it, or I guess you could leave, whatever. Yeah, it's always like, yeah, she even says, I don't want to say no to him because I don't want to, like, deal with it, basically. God, he even says that he loves her, but he's never been sexually attracted to her, to Christy. And it's like, never, not even when you got married when you were young, like, dude, this guy, um, anyway, it should be the This Guy Award. Um, what's your first Dunzo, John? My first Dunzo award goes to the most apt episode title. And that would be episode two, which is just called, this is all so weird. I don't have much more to say beyond that. Other than it was a weird show. It was uncomfortable. It was creepy. It was a strange environment to, be a fly on the wall for and there was there's a lot I'm still processing I've got therapy soon we'll talk about it there (laughs) Ian what's your second dunzo it will not fix you Uh, (laughs) you cannot be fixed after this show Um, my second dunzo is I think the antithesis of your last dunzo which is the I kind of get it award (laughs) meaning that the show why was i attracted to this show i heard there was controversy i knew it would be a dumpster fire uh i knew it'd be a quick watch for us and i don't know it just seemed like the worst dregs of society to me surface value it seemed like this is unscripted television fully gone wrong. 
Yeah. And we've we've peaked. We've hit the point of no return with this show. Episode 16, I think uh, there's not much more to say about the state of television. We we made it. Uh, looks like we made it. And so the we, I kind of get it award is more about the Ojai, California situation and the Brook, New York situation, where I could see why people would want the adult adoption. Like yeah. some people don't have families. Uh, some people don't aren't close with their families. Some people don't have a support system. And in one way or another, they're going to find it. Even homeless people that have you know been cut off by their families don't have a place to stay. It's like they still have each other. You know, they still live in their little packs, their little communities. It's you're going to find community. People will find it. And I get the human need to have a family. Absolutely. Yeah. I get being paternal towards people and I get having people that are kind of like father, you know, kind of parental to you where they're not related to them, but you seek their advice or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I saw those couples, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I get this. Tawny and Felicia, like, they were already basically a family unit. Of course, they should be adopted and just make it. There are legal protections, too, like for some of the stuff with the estate business, even with Prince Frederick, but more so with the Brook, New York. It was like they care about Bianca and they want her to be legally protected. Like, I'm not 100% sure if this is the case, but she's 23. She might be able to hop on their insurance if she's adopted by them, you know, with the Obamacare 26 uh, thing. So- you know, and I, I think it's like, look, me and you, we're like brothers. You can be adopted by someone that's younger than you. Mm-hmm. And it's like if there was some kind of legal protection that you needed where me adopting you would fix that situation, I would do it. Well, I would only accept that if there were cameras present. I do want to make that clear. Like, your sentiments have to be are like great. like a big brother's house. So. Yeah, yeah. We would need to make sure that we were filming it. Uh, we were well lit. Oh, makeup too. We'd both need a lot of makeup. Oh, God. At, at least just a touch up. Just something around the eyes. Wardrobe, five shirts a day. Ab- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, that is a very sweet sentiment. And it is true. Like, I think there is a place for some of the content that is in this show that all the ideas that you were just espousing, I think, are really solid. And there are times in the show where I did feel like there was genuine love and care between the people that were involved. And so that's fair. It's all fair. Right. But at the same time, I wrote, I just had a, a thoughts section on my notes. I was like, what do I think about all this? And it was like the distinction is knowing people in person and meeting them on the internet because there are these adult adoption groups out there. And that is weird to me. Uh, John, what's your, what's your second Dunzo? My second Dunzo goes to the weirdest and probably least accurate promotion. And that goes 
to the Gucci store. Ian, do you know the scene that I'm talking about? No. Well, let me paint a picture for our listeners. So during the Prince Frederick storyline, he is at dinner or lunch with his friend that we had talked about earlier, Isaac. Isaac has said that he's going to help Prince Frederick find a son to be adopted. And so they are online and they are looking for guys and Prince Frederick's like, no, no, not this one, not this one. I don't like how he looks, blah, 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 blah. And then they shut the computer and Prince Frederick goes, well, I'll just find him myself. And Isaac's like, bud, how are you going to find it? Like, this is the way to do it. We need to check how they look online. He's like, we're just going to go to the Gucci store. The good guys hang out at the Gucci store. Oh, my God. That's right. That's where all the hip young dudes go on their time off. They just sort of saunter around the Gucci store, try on some clothes, maybe meet a father, and then they get on with their lives. I don't think that that is what the Gucci store is for. My understanding is it's for various shirts and pants. But Prince Frederick clearly has another idea. And so it was an interesting sideways promotion for the Gucci store that I was not expecting. And the weird thing about this show is that the drama... Oh, the weird thing? The single? The singular weird thing. One of the many weird things about this show is that some of the drama of it is like the family drama and some of the other drama of it is the underlying, is this a sex thing? <laughs> to yeah. some of these storylines. Yeah. And yeah. I got to say, I did not get that it was a sex thing from Prince Frederick. But no, also I didn't like, either. But like he's trying to go pick up hot young men at the Gucci store. Like I didn't catch a vibe, but also why wouldn't I be wrong? <laughs> You are right about most things. And so you, I think your vibe meter is uh, spiking pretty hard. Well, our vibe meter is going to spike even harder after this commercial break when we talk about why this show got canceled. And now a word from our sponsors. Why this show got canceled. A&E was supposed to release a fourth episode on, uh, I think it was a Monday, and everyone was prepped to tune into their new weirdest show, and it just didn't air. And what I hear is that A&E said it was due to low ratings, but it was not just canceled. It was pulled very quickly, this show. Not only was it pulled very quickly, but it was scraped from the internet. There used to be show descriptions. There weren't show descriptions anymore. There used to even be like extra footage you could find on YouTube, uh, maybe even find some, I think there were extra episodes on demand even, or like maybe you could buy them a little bit early on Apple TV and stuff like that. Very quickly, all of this was wiped. The viewers were very confused. And it was just gone. I couldn't even find a release from A&E where they said, oh, canceled due to low ratings. All I could find were reports 
about it being canceled vaguely due to low ratings, but I couldn't even find a statement. So what I have for you here is a string of tweets that are very important to why this show got canceled. This is building like a radio play. This is very exciting. I live for the drama, baby. This is from a Twitter account called Shay Cab, and it is it starts on June 16th, 2021. So this driver was driving Danny around, and she said, so what's new with you? Well, apparently a lot, and I've had to take some things to digest the conversation that came next. <clears throat> Have you seen 90 Day Fiance? Do you remember No Neck Ed? Picture that guy, but blonde and with a better personality. This truck driver is in his mid-50s and married to a woman he says he loves, but has never been sexually attracted to. I'll leave it there, she says. And it's a sexless and childless marriage. He's been busy online trying to find a young woman to adopt as his daughter. Not a child, not a foster, but a young adult woman. His wife is not on board with this. And the more he talks, the more alarms start going off in my head. And with every turn, he confirms each specific alarm. He tells me that some producers found him online and he signed a contract to be on a series they are producing at a major network. The more he talks, the more I can understand why. His wife is not comfortable with him adopting a young woman he's found who lives in Greece. She mistakenly thought it was Greece. Mm -hmm. Wife is concerned he's going to be attracted to her and he has a history of befriending young women. He also had an affair behind her back. So this time, he's doing everything in the open and including her, but she's still not on board. I told him that he probably can't do this without her participation and approval, to which he replied, sure I can. This 20-year-old is six months pregnant with a girl. The trucker explains to me he's never considered adopting a young man, even though plenty have responded to his daddy adoption ads. Says a lot of responses are from people desperate to come into this country and promise everything from don't worry, I eat very little to X-rated stuff. Man claims he's not attracted to this girl, but keeps saying yet. So I say it sounds like you're telling her you want to be her dad, but deep down you're keeping a door open for more. He admits I'm right and thanks me for calling him out. He tells me he's also interested in Polly in the purest sense of the word. And the deeper he goes, the more I'm like, this isn't adoption. This is trafficking. That's, yeah, that's like the definition. This is a nester or something. At one point, his wife calls because that they, they were actively trying to get this young woman on a plane as soon as possible. And it won't cost them, quote, anything if she's here versus there. Plus, she's close to her due date. Wife is concerned that this girl is trying to scam them. At one point, he says to her, I'm not bringing her here to be my sex slave. So obviously, wife has concerns. And he hasn't eased mine one bit. He also tells his wife that this girl can work around the house to earn her keep. There's much more, and we'll say how this plays out, but I don't believe he has fatherly adoptive intentions. He also says he likes how she gets permission from him for everything, and that was something I also found odd. I'm sure I'll have an update for you soon. Uh, You'll also be able to meet this man on national television later this year and hear his story from his lips. So this was so, seven months before 
the show aired? Uh, yes, June. Yeah, mid-June. So now we fast forward to January 22nd, 2022, when the show is finally airing. Okay. Then she goes out. The Trucker and His Adult Adoptee Part 3. I told you this summer of the long interview I had with an Ohio man planning to adopt a pregnant 18-year-old and how he was going to be on a TV show. I've driven a lot of people and I've heard a lot of things, but my conversation with this man was absolutely chilling. I wanted to call the FBI or NSA or INS or whoever and say, do not let this girl come to America in the next two weeks. She's in danger. I told you how this man's wife wasn't on board and how while on the phone with her in my car, he told her, don't worry, she'll be locked in the basement and will have to earn her keep. His wife was worried he wanted a sexual relationship with this young woman. He did, I asked. He confirmed. So she didn't want the girl in the house. After that ride and after my thread, Anna continued to be worried about all the alarming and illegal intentions this trucker had with this young woman he was in the process of adopting. Over the fall, I did my best to keep tabs on the situation, even checking to see if the TV show had come out. There's some good and some bad news. The bad news is the TV show will air soon, so I guess it was about to go go out at this point. Um, the better news is then even the trucker's co-workers, wives, and his cousin up the road were also concerned. The trucker's wives told them to no longer associate with their co-worker, and they complied. From what I understand, trucker's wife would not allow the young woman and her newborn baby to live in the house, so the trucker put her in the camper on the property. And as the fall turned to winter, girl and her baby were cold. So the concerned cousin invited the girl to come live with them. Not surprisingly, once the young lady, Ileana, was no longer reliant on the trucker for food and shelter, she started to distance herself. The trucker, Danny, was not happy and told her if his needs weren't being met, then she would need to reimburse him for all his costs. Oh, my God. Um, you adopted her and you were responsible for her needs, not the other way around. It sounds like she's out of there now, which has given me a great deal of rest on the matter. Now to the TVD show. How did it get past their legal? From watching the trailers, it's very apparent that it wasn't just in the privacy of the BBR. I don't know what that means. Where he revealed his true intentions and said chilling things. So... I know it was a Twitter thread and it was a little clunky because she cut out some words so it could fit. But basically, there were some very real concerns about sex trafficking Mm -hmm. on his part. Um, Because it sounds like there were a lot of desperate people from other countries reaching out, willing to provide sex acts in order, basically for a green card. Yeah. And then all this scrutiny really, I mean, we talked about there's all the cameras on his property. Yeah. There were all of those cargo containers. There were like tarps covering stuff, a lot of locked sheds. It made a lot of people become really concerned that this man was involved in sex trafficking. And weirdly enough, there's actually been a lot of women murdered around his property. And some people are concerned that he is the Chillicothe serial killer. Oh. Um, it's very weird. You can go down some internet rabbit holes. How the heck did 
this guy get involved in this show? How did they let him say his piece? As a producer, as somebody trying to create content, you go, this guy's crazy. Look at how he says things that people don't agree with, but also they're just borderline things. You know, look at all the good drama that could come along with this. Nobody in production stopped to think the about the fact that he wanted to sleep with her, but also she was coming in from another country and her life was in her hands. I'm glad she got off of that property at least. And I hope that Christy made it out of there. Okay. And I'm just gobsmacked. The idea that he had been, looking for other people to adopt and he never considered any male ones and had gotten offers for sex and stuff like that. How did that not come up in any sort of background checks that you were doing? Like I get the idea that a producer is there for the most interesting content, but when you look at that guy, there's gotta be, this line between like what is going to be zany and what is going to be unsafe. And I don't, it doesn't seem like the people at a cared about the latter at all. You would be probably not surprised, but shocked at, how much of that happens in reality television at how much of that happens in unscripted television. I mean, think about the drinking limits on big brother, uh, the bachelor, all of those shows where there's, you know, there's sexual assault. There are consent concerns based on how messed up everybody is. And for years, nobody gave a second thought to any of this. There's a Love is Blind contestant that I saw was trying to file a class action with other members of the cast that basically said they weren't given proper access to water and food and that they were just being shoveled hard liquor down their throats. Exactly. And there's a couple 90-day people that have been arrested for like serious domestic abuse, serious sexual assault. Um, You know, I personally have one or two stories from Reality and Unscripted that You know, I'm a pretty open book, but legally I would not say them on this show because either they're not my stories or I I seriously don't know the legal ramifications of of telling them. Um, It's not good. There is a hunger to make cheap content that is dramatic that in many ways is predatory. I mean, look at all the speculation that was on cops and yeah. what was that other like 24 hour cop show? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called. Right. Because basically they knew people that were known troublemakers or known drug addicts or whatever. And they would just go to their houses and be like, Oh, look, she's naked in the bushes in her houses. Like the police weren't called. They were just, they're predatory towards situations that they know would get, make good television. And the money made off the show covers the lawsuits. Yeah. 
So plus you're also exploiting people that don't necessarily know what their rights are as well. No, and in many reality situations, people aren't even getting paid. They're just happy to be on TV or, or get the exposure or whatever. You yeah. know? I mean, I can say this legal ninety day, none of the immigrants get paid because they don't have working visas. Yeah. So <laughs> You know, one of my big problems with this type of television is that not only does it say something about us as a society that we consume so much of it, the making of it, some of it really borderlines evil. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah you can easily go from good drama to illegal to seriously harming people very quickly. Yeah. There definitely need to be, there's enough money in the budget to make this safe and not scary for the people involved in it. And And you'd be surprised at how much people up the ladder don't care or don't think, or don't even think about it. Again, the the distinction between surprise and shock, I think, is an important one because I don't think I'd be surprised, but I'd still be horrified. Exactly. And ugh, that's just horrendous. And oh, I hope he's in jail soon. Oh, there was also some TikTok he made in February 2021 that got a lot of uh, got a spotlight on it. Where it's some TikTok he made where he's basically saying that. Racism doesn't exist, and oh, if it I did does, hear about that. it's yeah. not from white people. He's like, HBCUs, that's racist. It's all from black people. Like, and the NC NAACP is racist. You know, like he just went on a rant like that. So uh, they give a lot of airtime to a dude that um, should never be fed this <laughs> type of attention. Oh, okay. I thought you just were ending the sentence at fed. Fed. No. Yeah. Like they were fanning some hot flames. Absolutely. Yeah. Oi, yeah. that is a toxic thing. You know, there's actually a lot of reasons that TV shows get canceled, and uh, this is a new one. This is, yeah. hopefully, this is the only time we come up with this. A new and chilling reason. On a new and chilling episode of One and Done TV. <laughs> The description leaps off of the mobile device. (laughs) Ian, yikes. With all of this, would you renew? Oh, my God. No. Okay. I forgot we had to say that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Would you renew? No. (laughs) I do think that there is a version of this show like we were talked about with some of the families that could be compelling but I could have I would have wanted to see a couple of these play out see what happens yeah. but yeah no this definitely puts a spotlight on some of the most horrid and exploitative parts of the non-scripted industry and just by I was going to say one fifth of the screen time, but really, like you said, this show gives so much screen time to this guy, especially, you know, weighted against the other couples that they knew exactly what they were doing by doing this. 
and that is yeah appalling on and incredible amounts of levels so so you know no no i'm good i'm good on adults adopting nah, adults nah, nah. Mm, i don't think so <laughs> oh boy All any right. final thoughts before we wrap this up god no can we wrap this up where can people find us uh, if you want to join this conversation, you can follow <laughs> us on Instagram or Twitter. We barely want to be a part of this conversation, so choose a different conversation. <laughs> at One and Done TV. You can email us, oneanddonepod at gmail.com. That is oneanddonepod at gmail.com. Do not email oneanddonetv at gmail.com. Actually, with this one, you could email them. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, you can Venmo me at Hamill Chin. Please give me money. Any amount of money is fine. Trying to pay for a short film right now. Pretty expensive stuff there. Uh, buy yourself a Lodge pan scraper. John. Do some good in the world. Watch how to with John Wilson. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hug your family. Be kind to your neighbors. Uh, recycle. Pet, pet a dog. Um, go fishing. Have yourself a day. Take, do some breathing. And we'll see you next week. I think we're done. Yeah, this is a good time to be one and done. Brought to you by Lack of Hustle Media.